0: getting ready to look into God's Word together. And Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 18, we're going to read a parable of Jesus in verses 9 through 14 of Luke chapter 18. And uh, then we'll be uh, having a message tonight that I've entitled, The Man That God Hears. The Man That God Hears. Luke chapter 18 Beginning in verse number nine, and when you found it, I invite you, if you would, to stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's word. The Bible says this And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. But smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Father, I pray, I pray, I pray, Speak to us tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So to summarize here, Jesus told a very interesting parable about two very different men. Let me describe these men. One of these men was considered to be a very spiritual man. The title Pharisee literally means a separated one. And the Pharisees had very publicly separated themselves from worldly living and had given themselves to the minutia of the law of Moses. So from all outward appearances, this man, this Pharisee, was considered a very spiritual man by men around him. While one man was considered a very spiritual man... The other man was considered a very scandalous man. Publicans were tax collectors. And while the job of tax collecting has never really been an endearing endeavor, these cats took it to another level. Publicans were basically the Jewish mob who worked for the Roman Empire and could shake down whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted, for however much they wanted in order to enrich themselves in the process. So, you know, basically Congress and the IRS today. If we're still on Facebook, it's good to have you with us. I got to be careful. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Two very different men went into the temple and prayed. Two very different men prayed two very different prayers. And these two very different men left very different ways. One man, the Bible says, was heard by those around him. One man was heard by heaven. One man left justified with himself. One man left justified of heaven. I don't know about you, church. But I want to be the man that God hears. I want to be the man that God hears. So I want to look at a couple of traits of such a man tonight. Let's look verses 10 and 11. The Bible says this. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. So who is the man that God hears? Number one, the man that God hears is an honest man. He's an honest man. The Pharisee, isn't it amazing, starts his prayer by publicly thanking God that he's not like other people. God, I thank you that I am not like David Wyrick. Amen. God, I thank you that I'm not like... Fill in the blank. You know the problem with this prayer? With the Pharisee starting this prayer by publicly thanking God that he's not like other people? The problem with that is he is just like other people. Because the Bible is clear. Romans 3.23, among many other passages, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The problem was he was just like other men. But you know, I think the problem was that he wasn't honest with God because he wasn't willing to be honest with himself. He gives the list of things that he doesn't do based on what he assumes other people are guilty of. The problem is the people around us are not the standard by which we measure our life. I've used the illustration many a times. You know how it ends. If other people are the standard by which we measure our life, what becomes the baseline standard? The worst of humanity. Because we are always able to look around and say, at least I'm not as prideful as Larry. At least I'm not as harsh as, I was going to say Robert Reinberger, but I can't even do it because Robert's such a kind man. We can always find somebody that has a problem we don't. We can always find somebody that we feel is, is a little bit farther gone than us on the, on the, on the center scale. But the problem is, is that the people around us are not the standard by which we measure our life. It amazes me sometimes as a preacher that, that, that some of the things that, that people amen are the loudest are some of the things that we don't really feel we have a problem with. It's those easy things to Amen. you know, that's not really our problem. So amen, preacher! Preach on! (laughs) Isn't it easy to amen when the preacher's preaching on somebody else's sin? But you know, the thing about the Pharisee is this. If he had been willing to take an honest look at his life... If he had been willing to honestly measure his life against the holiness of God, do you know what he would have found? Mm, A lot of things. He would have found that uh, he was in a heap of trouble. You know, the Lord had some things to say about the Pharisees. Let's take a look at just a couple of verses from one chapter. Uh, The Pharisee would have found, well, first of all, rampant hypocrisy. Jesus described him this way, Matthew 23, 27, and 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, or painted graves, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but within are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Verse 28, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The Pharisee would have found if he had been willing to take an honest look at his life and been willing to honestly measure his life against the holiness of God, he would have found rampant hypocrisy. He would have found harshness. Matthew 23 and verse number 4 describes the Pharisees this way, For they bind heavy burdens, grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move one of them with their fingers. They were harsh and hard on people. He would have found pride in the love of man's praise. Matthew 23, verses 5 through 7. But all their works they do. Why? To be Seen of men, they do make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Those were the spiritual clothes they wear. They had the perfect, uh, to to put it in in Baptist language, they had the perfect tie. I I mean, on certain days it had the eagle in the American flag. On on other days it had the names of Jesus. And, And on other days, boy, they were dressed to the nines. I mean, you said, there goes a spiritual man. Verse 6, and they loved the uppermost seats at the feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. If he had been willing to take an honest look at his life and had been willing to honestly measure his life against the holiness of God, he would have found that his life was full of pride and love of man's praise. He would have found that his life was full of the love of money. Matthew 23 and verse 14 describes the Pharisees, how they devour widows' houses. He would have found his life to be full of abject spiritual emptiness. Matthew 23 and verse 13 says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. He would have found that his life was spiritually empty. And by the way, that's just to name a few things from one chapter of the Bible. The Pharisee was not an honest man. He was not honest with God because he was not willing to be honest with himself. The publican, on the other hand, offered no pretense. Did you notice in verse number 13, the Bible says that he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He was honest enough with God and himself to not even feign that he had merited any standing before God. He beat upon his chest repeatedly, demonstrating that he knew that he and his sin were the source of his need. You look at the penitential psalms uh, that David wrote, Psalm 51 being one of them, verses 3 and 4, David said this, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, David said, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You see, this publican, like David, took ownership of his sin, of his need, of his problem. I'm afraid it's been a long time since the church has stood before God and said, It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Well, it's those people who voted that way. It's them, oh Lord. It's the church down the road. It's them, oh Lord. It's sister so-and-so across the aisle. It's her, oh Lord. It's my kids, my kids, my kids, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. But how long has it been since we were honest enough with ourselves to be honest with God? To be able to say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. In need of prayer. You know, I wonder why it's so hard for us to be so honest with God. After all, we know He knows, Right? You know, sometimes we fool others. Probably not as well as we think we do. More often than not, the only people we end up fooling is ourselves. But we don't ever fool God. You know, the man that God hears is an honest man. Honest about himself, honest about his need. Tonight, I wonder if we're ready to be honest. If we want to be that man that God hears, we got to be ready to be honest. I love what the psalmist said. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. The psalmist said, search me, O God, and try my heart. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting I wonder tonight if we could be honest enough with ourselves and God to ask God to search us and to try us. Honest enough to bring the full need of our life before him. Honest enough to confess and forsake our sin. You know why that's so important? Because I want to be the man that God hears. And God hears honest men. I want to look at something else from this publican's prayer tonight. Look at verse number 12. He said this. He said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So who's the man that God hears? First, we find that it's an honest man. Second, we find that it's a humble man. Don't you love the Pharisee's prayer? He starts by praying, God, thank you that I'm not like all those other people. He he finishes his prayer by saying, God, make sure you take note of all the good things I've done. He fasts more than he's required to. He gives more than he's required to. I mean, let's be honest, guys. God's lucky to have this guy on his team. I don't know what the Lord did before the Pharisee was around, but hallelujah, he's here now, amen? Amen. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, the list of his accolades was a lot shorter than he thought it was. The dude lists two things. I fast more than I'm supposed to and I give more than I'm supposed to. He lists two things. He didn't really have that many good things to report. His self-exalting prayer really didn't do anything but showcase how shallow his self-righteousness was. By the way, before we think we have cause to toot our own horn, our list of accolades is a whole lot shorter than we think it is too. Secondly, this prayer wasn't really a prayer. Did you notice back in verse number 11, it says this, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. In other words, he's just talking to himself. He prayed with himself, not God. In the two verses that we read, the Pharisee references himself five times, all in a congratulatory way. But I think, third, here's the greatest danger. This speech, because it's not a prayer, reveals, I think, a great danger for those of us who do take this book seriously and do strive to live separated lives for the glory of God. If we're not careful, here's what happens. We start to think that we and the people who live like us and or worship like us are not just separated people, but are somehow superior people. The problem is the ground is still level at the foot of the cross. Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 14, he said, "What well, God forbid that I should glory except what? Except what, church? In the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul could have gloried about a lot of things. Hey, look at this. I I started the church here, and I started the church here, and I started the church here. And I witnessed before this ruler and that king, and I'm on my way. I'm going to witness before Nero himself. Look at all I've done. But Paul didn't list any accolades, did he? He said what? God forbid that I should glory except what? Except in the cross of the Lord Jesus. And church, if we're not careful, it's so subtle. We can start to think and act like people who live like us or worship like us are somehow not just separated, but have somehow become superior. But you see, God hears humble men. The Pharisee was not a humble man. The publican, on the other hand, he did what? He humbled himself. Look at verse 13 again. The publican standing afar off. He was humble in his position. He was afar off. He he didn't even feign to come near. He was humble in his posture. The Bible says that he would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven. He was humble even in his prayer. His prayer was, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, I I do believe that humility is one of the things that we are really lacking in the church today. You know, our culture in the last 10, 15 years or so has really undergone a perversion of self-esteem, self-love, self-reliance. It's become very pervasive self-determination, and a lot of that has crept into the church. We have all sorts of abundance. We have all sorts of talent. We have all sorts and all of these different things. But I think one of the things that the church today is really lacking is just simply humility. And that's a shame. Because more important than abundance of things and abundance of talent and abundance of fill in the blank, humility is still of great spiritual value. You know, I referenced earlier 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, it starts with us, amen. It starts with us, amen. Which are called by my name. It starts with us, amen. Now what's the first thing God lists? Shall humble themselves. Hmm. He didn't say Vote. He didn't say, protest in the streets. He didn't say, put a post on Facebook. He didn't say, write your congressman. He didn't even say, sing a song. He didn't even say, bring your tithes. What did he say? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. You see, I think we forget how valuable humility really is. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 6 reminds us, humble yourselves unto the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Proverbs 18 and verse number 12, before destruction the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility. James chapter 4 and verse number 6, the Bible tells us this, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but gives grace unto the... Humble Luke 14 in verse 11 Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted John 3:30 John the Baptist prayer He must increase but I must decrease Church even in America in 2023 God hears Humble man. So we find first, if I want to be the man that God hears, who's the kind of man that God hears? Number one, he hears what? He hears an honest man. Number two, he hears a humble man. Let's look at verses 13 and 14 and finish this tonight. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So we see that God here is an honest man, a humble man, and it had to complete the ages. So thirdly tonight, we see God here is the hungry man. Not hungry like food. We'll, we'll get it, Okay. Did you notice the Pharisee received nothing from the Lord? But think with me, the Pharisee received nothing because he asked for nothing. And the Pharisee asked for nothing because he obviously felt he didn't need anything. Perhaps he was there because he was supposed to be or because it was habit. Perhaps he was there to display his merits but not because he was desperate for mercy. The Pharisee was blissfully blind to his desperate need. How often is that us? We think our need is because... This person is sick, or that person's not well, or this person's struggling with cancer, or, or this or that. And, and, and all of these things, we, we ought to pray for these things, but I, we, we talked about it throughout the course of this year, how often the spiritual things don't even make our prayer list. The spiritual things don't even find a place on our prayer list. Blissfully blind to his desperate need to become so saturated with the wealth and the ways of this world that we lose our appetite to see God do something special in our lives. But the publican, on the other hand, he came desperately needing God's help. The publican came desperately needing grace, desperately needing mercy, desperately needing forgiveness. And the publican? He got exactly what he needed. Psalm 120, in verse number one In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. The beautiful simplicity of that truth. God hears the man with the hungry heart. God hears the man with the heavy heart. Psalm 102 in verse 17 reminds us, He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. You know, I think sometimes when, when we don't get answers to prayer or we don't, we don't find that thing that we need, I ask us and I, and I wonder sometimes, are we really coming to prayer? Are we really coming to God's word? Are we really coming to church hungry to receive something from God? Recognizing that we are in desperate need of God in our lives. I think sometimes we don't get anything out of prayer. We don't get anything out of the Bible. We don't get anything out of the church. Simply because we don't come hungry. Matthew 5 and verse 6, Jesus teaches us this Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why, church? For they shall be filled. Let me ask you, what do you need from God? What do you need? We're a needy people. We are a needy people. You know what I need? I need wisdom. You know what I need? I need God to give me a peace that passes understanding. You know what I need as a pastor? I need sometimes just to say, God, I do believe, help thou mine unbelief. Can we be so honest tonight? You know what I need? God, help me not trust in my own flesh. Help me not trust in my own ability. Help me, God, to rest in You. You know what I need? I need God to help me be a parent. I need God? You ever do like parents, grandparents? You go back and you like look at the pictures when they were little and cute. I did that this week. I'm like, man, where'd it go? Now we're like pushing teenage years, and one of them's got their eye on my car, and I'm just like, where did it go? Man, I need God to help me be a parent. I need God to help me be a better spouse. How many of you realize like marriage like isn't easy and you're mostly to blame? And all the men said, There you go, man, very wise. I mean, man, I need God's help. Amen. But when's the last time I asked him for it? I mean, yeah, we pray. And, but, but when is the last time that I was honest about the depth of my need? When's the last time that I was humble enough to get on my face? When's the last time that I was hungry enough to pray and pray and pray with importunity without ceasing to ask, to seek, to knock, to let God know I can't do it unless you meet me in this moment. When's the last time? When's the last time I begged God for somebody who's lost that He would open their heart to the gospel? When's the last time I begged God for open doors for ministry? What do you need from God tonight? Oh, I, we're, we, we, have, we have so much stuff. This whole like pray for our daily bread. Pff, I've got bread for a week. Actually, I almost have teenagers. I have bread for three days. It was supposed to last a week. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> what do you need from God tonight? Hey, I got good news though. Whatever you need, He hears honest, humble, hungry souls. I'm going to end with Hebrews 4 and verse number 16. The Bible says this, let us therefore come boldly let us therefore come boldly say it with me let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need let's be the man that God hears father we